Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. I am so glad that all of you are with us this morning. And one of the things that we love to do, if you're new, just checking us out, we love questions. And so we would love it if you would have, if you have any questions, I have the Pastor Plex podcast that will come out later this week uh, when you put in your questions. So we'd love to hit up any question you might have about this sermon or any topic that you might be dealing with. Now, I want to introduce you to a, a new concept because I think this is uh, one that I feel like people have not totally been in tune to. We're, we're in this sermon series called Back to School, all right, first off, and we're learning a lot about um, our identity in Christ. And last week we talked about being a servant and Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so we should be in the same way, have an identity in being a servant. And this week is something that we're just not really familiar with. I don't think because we don't talk about it a whole lot and probably because it's so controversial. All right, so we're going to do a lot of learning this morning, and I'm going to take my backpack off because I got a lot of uh, things in here that are going to help us learn about what it is to be a covenant member. But I want to first introduce you to a, a probably something you may have never heard of. It's a modern Christian heresy, okay? And it's called secularism. And secularism is simply uh, stealing all the greatness there is about Christianity. It's the inclusivity, it's the love, it's the, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. I'm not going to prejudge you. I'm going to bring you in without any um, preconditions that you need to meet. Secularism is the kingdom without the king. But the only, because a part of secularism, this heresy that's sort of been brought about, is like, I love all the stuff about Christianity except for the Jesus part. Except the part where you get exclusive on who Jesus is and that he's the only way and that he is a king. I like the idea, secularists would say, of all the love, all the compassion. I love helping the poor. I love this sort of like idealistic vision of life and how valuable it is. But the reality is this life is all there is. And so we must be loving and kind to one another and never judge anyone because there is no king. Now, if you're watching this, I doubt this is what you believe. I don't think you've been, you've been knowingly duped by this secularist Christian heresy of like, I want all the Christianity stuff. Uh, I just want to pervert it in the way, way of sexual identity. I want to pervert it in the way of uh, the way that we kind of take care of the poor, the way that we do things. We, we do it really for to make ourselves feel better. Now, that's kind of what a secularist worldview is. Now, watch this. I think the part that we struggle as Christians, especially evangelical Christians, and some, I think that term has gotten like, you're like, oh, evangelical, I don't want to be one of those. But here's what you're saying. I wonder if the heresy that we struggle with at our church is we want the king without his kingdom. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, we love Jesus, yes, we do. But we love Jesus without the, just the painful bureaucracy that comes along with any kingdom. And I think that's where we have been struggling. Uh, in fact, I think there's probably three reasons why we resist being a member or staying a member of a church, because really we can't find a Bible verse uh, to support this sort of idea of membership. Like that just seems like really weird. Like why do you, I don't, listen, I don't see the membership uh, 
formal process here. You show me a membership thing and I'll, I'm jumping in and I can't find one. I don't want to look for one. And so why are we putting something in the Bible that's not there? Okay, I'm with you. I think we're going to answer that question. Uh, some, some of you don't like church membership because you've been wounded by terrible leaders in the past. People that, may, and maybe you haven't really been wounded personally, but you've heard of people who've been wounded by Christian leaders and people that proclaim themselves to be godly people and, and they just want you to sign up under them like some grand pyramid scheme that they're going to try to take over the world and they're just trying to pad their pocket because they need a little bit more. Or um, maybe it's this, and this is probably our generation, right? Our generation, and that's Gen Z, Millennial, Gen X, uh, even Boomer to some extent, uh, we struggle with commitment. Like, we... <laughs> We don't want to be burdened with this thing of commitment. In fact, I think sometimes we view like being a member of a church like owning a timeshare. We're like, man, once you get in, you're stuck. You just can't get yourself out. You got legal fees to get out of the thing. It's just brutal. I don't even know why anyone would get in that thing in the first place. And you mock people that get in timeshares now, right? And so the reality is like you, why would you even want to get involved in something that's so like, and look, you would say, I can, I, what benefit is there to me when I, I'm involved in the community groups, I'm involved in the Sunday morning, I serve at the church. Why would I want an extra layer of commitment when it's really not any benefit to me? I get it. That's, that, those are generally the reasons why people are like, you know, hands off, they stiff arm the Heisman church membership. And so this morning, I really want to get into the reality of where we're wanting to go as a church. We want people to understand the great benefit that there is to membership. So we're going to jump into that. Would you mind praying with me and asking God uh, as we get into really 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to go this morning. And I want, we're going to start there and I want us to really investigate what God would have for us in church membership. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I'm so grateful uh, that you are in complete control. And I know people sort of stiff arm this idea of membership. And I'm praying that you would help me bring across this idea that it's one of the most beneficial things in the whole world. And not only is it beneficial, that it's biblical, that it's spiritual and powerfully covenantal. So Lord, I thank you for that. And I'm praying that you would use me uh, to speak and that you would uh, push back against any darkness that clouds up our idea of what a truth is and what membership's all about. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. So I, I got my trusty uh, backpack, uh, which is, this has got the Super Mario Brothers motif going, probably from Mario Kart, because I think I've, I've played all these characters on Mario Kart. Anyway, so we're going to open this up, and we're going to find out that we're going to be studying a little bit of health class today, okay? These are, uh, this is a hand. Okay, that's my trusty hand. These are some sweet ears. All right, we're going to learn about the ear, and I'm going to find, uh, here we go. Here's an eyeball. Okay, now, in, and you know what, because I don't want to bring a foot up here, I'll just bring my trusty flip-flop. Okay, now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is going to compare the body of Christ uh, to um, the body, right? So he's going to make a direct comparison to the physical body, to the body of Christ. And he's like, listen, the foot doesn't come up to the hand and be like, I just don't belong. I don't have opposable thumbs. I, I just really wish I could be more like you, Hand. Like, Hand, yeah, I am pretty awesome. You are pretty lowly, and you smell. Like, there is just not that reality, right? And he also says, listen, uh, the uh, eye, or rather the ear, doesn't say the hand. I just don't belong. 
I just, I just can't see anything, and you are so visual, and I'm so auditory. I just don't belong to the body, right? That, that, that never happens, and the eye doesn't say to the hand, I don't need you. Like, I can see without you, hand. You are worthless. Why don't you take a break from the body? I don't want you a part of my little life. Okay, that, that's... I, I, listen, I didn't make that up. That's Paul's argument from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's like, listen, no body part talks to one another like that because every part of the body is necessary. But what can happen is there's a lot of hands running around disconnected from body. They're doing a lot of serving. I want to serve you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be the homeless here. I'm going to go to Pregnancy Resource Center here. I might even, listen, I'm going to help out my neighbor. High five. <laughs> All right, and what happens is you serve somebody, but you're, since you're disconnected from a body, there's nowhere to meet the rest of the spiritual needs of that person because you're just a hand. And maybe you can see a lot of stuff that's going on and you plucked yourself from the body because you're like, listen, I can just see, I can see where sin is. I can see how it destroys people. I have great discernment. And I, but the reality is no one will listen to me. And when they do, I've been rejected once before and I know how that goes to be rejected. You know what? I'm going to take my eye service. Thank you very much. And I'm out of here. And that is so unbiblical. Because, and, and here's the other part that's happening. Sometimes even in church, you've got uh, you know, an eye looking off this way and a hand wanting to do its own thing over here. And there's almost like this epileptic nature to the body. And that's not healthy. What God has designed the body to do is function together with a head, with feet, with hands, with eyes, with ears. And I think what's going on is that that part of it has been missing. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, Paul really wraps this into his, his heart when he's like, listen, check it out. I'm going to put my things back here. He says, you are the body of Christ. You. Which means you. Now, when I read this, when you, I say you're the body of Christ, that's, there's a problem with the typical English Standard Version translation. They have not lived in Texas. So they don't know about second person plural, which we all know as, it's, the, it's a Greek word, umes, but it's really the Texan word, y'all. Okay? So this is the way this, this should be translated. Now, y'all are the body of Christ. All right, and individually, members of it. So there's really something neat going on. There's a second person plural, a singular body of Christ, and individual members of it. Now watch this. This is what's so huge because you're like, because you said like membership isn't biblical. Local church body membership isn't biblical. Here, watch this. Now Paul is saying y'all are the body of Christ. Okay, y'all. Is Paul a Christian? Yes. Why doesn't he just say we are the body of Christ? Why doesn't he do that? Because he's trying to have them see in the city of Corinth, that church represented the body of Christ to that community. Now, if he were talking to us at Wells Branch Church, he'd say, now, y'all at Wells Branch Church are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Like that means you can't say, hand, you're worthless. I'm an eyeball, way more nerves than you. You need to move out. No, you can't do that. It doesn't make sense to say that. Now, we, we hear that. And I want you to kind of wrap your head around that there is a formal membership process. And so therefore, membership is biblical. To which you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean there was a formal member? I didn't. Where is the where is the count me in manual? Where's the where's the where's the membership class in the Bible? Okay, there isn't one, but there was a membership 
process. And we know this, we know this because there were those that were outside the church that were at the church, and there were those that were inside the church that were at church. In fact, when Paul uh, was dealing with some sexual ethics, because like all all cultures everywhere go this, we like the king, we're just not so sure about the kingdom. And the, what happens is they want to be super inclusive. Like, we love everybody. Listen, we're so awesome. We believe in grace. There's even a guy sleeping with his dad's wife, and we haven't even said anything. To which Paul's like, what is wrong with you people? That's not loving. That is him going outside the design that God has aligned for him, and he's misaligned. What you really need to do is tell him, confront him. In fact, if at some point he's like, I love her, I just need her in my life, and everyone be like, no, that is, that's harmful to your dad, and it's harmful for the church, it's harmful for everybody. And so what Paul says is like, remove that person. In fact, here's what he says in verse uh, 12 of chapter 5. For what have I to do with judging outsiders, meaning those who are sexually immoral? That's not my job. Isn't it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, therefore purge the evil person from among you. So clearly there are people outside the church that were involved in all sorts of sexual sin, all sorts of idolatry, all sorts of issues. But there are those inside the church who had repented from all those things and were called to be different. That doesn't mean you don't fall back into sin, but there is this reality. There's a need to call a person to repentance. And when they reject it, you say, what you're saying is, I don't want God's kingdom. I want the king. I don't want the kingdom. And you cannot divorce the king from his kingdom. So how in the world are you supposed to make a distinction between those outside or those inside? Is it the ones who look like Christians are the ones on the inside? We all know that's not true. So how do you do that? Back in that day, they had a formal membership process, which was uh, baptism, right? Baptism. And so what that would look like is um, someone would make a profession of faith, and then they bring them, and in front of the body of believers, they are baptized and say, I now identify with this local body of Christ as well as Jesus himself. You couldn't separate the king from the kingdom. Does that make sense? And that was formal membership. Now, today, in our era, we have people that are um, from different churches, and we have a more transient society. And so when you come here, you might be from a different church. We're so grateful for it. that you know. But we want to align you to make sure you're understanding what we believe doctrinally. We want to make sure that you line up with where we're at, and we're aligning with where you're at. That, that's a two-way street. And so is this a fit for you as a Christian so that you can belong to a local body and so that you get to be a hand back that's connected to the body? Make sense? I think that's, that's simple enough. But what happens is we say, I like, I like the king, but I really love the way the secular society, I, I hear people say, man, the bar is so awesome. People don't judge you at the bar, right? Because people don't care. Oh, no, no, they'll care. They'll care about you. They'll care that if, if you're in trouble, they'll probably show up, but they don't care about your soul and the spiritual growth that's being required of you and that you would do what the king has asked you to align his life with. And I'm not saying the bar is a bad place. All I'm saying is that what Jesus is calling you to is not to align yourself with the world's way, which just simply says this, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, I guess that's okay. And what it does, what you're lying to yourself, because the reality is when anytime you're outside of God's design, you're wounding your soul. In fact, Jesus said this, Luke 6, 46. I love this. Why do you call me Lord but don't do what I say. Why? Like, why, why bother with the Christian label? 
Stop stealing the label. I Listen, I, I love you. I'd rather you just say, listen, I'm not into Jesus than to steal the label and say, I love the king. I just don't like his kingdom. You can't divorce the two. Okay. So you're like, okay, I'll give you that maybe membership is biblical, but my problem is, Chris, there's some really cruddy leaders out there. I'm not saying there's not. Let's look at another Bible verse. I want you to go to um, Acts chapter 20. All right, in Acts chapter 20, um, Paul is heading back to Jerusalem. And on his way back to Jerusalem, um, he stops at Miletus and he sends a, uh, a messenger team out to go and get the elders from the Ephesian church. And they come to him and he's like, listen, guys, I love you guys. We've been through, we've been through church planning together. We've been through the battles, the, the ups and the downs, people trying to kill me, trying to people kill you. You know, we've been there. We've been to jail. We've done some stuff. And he says, listen, I'm never going to see you guys again. And, like, and everyone's like crying. He's like, hey, listen, I got last words for you because I love you deeply. And this is what he says in verse 28. He's like, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. And then he says this. So, you know, to the flock. Which flock is he talking about? The flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So there's a specific flock that he's talking about, the church at Ephesus that they were supposed to take care of. And then I want you to see this because he uses this specific term in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now here's, here's what I, when I read that, I was like, I wonder how, was it like a booming voice? Remember when Jesus, Matthew three seventeen, this is my son my, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Was it like that where people from heaven like, oh, God spoke? Or was it that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul was moved and he saw, saw talent and evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in somebody's life. It's like, that guy is God's guy. And through the laying on of hands, they commissioned uh, elders to lead that church. That's what I think it was like. And so there wasn't, so it was a formal like nomination and a process by which Paul discerned the will of God led by the Holy Spirit and he uh, laid his hands on them and they were elders. They were the ones that were leading the church. Now, look how, look how personal this is to God. So Paul is saying this, pay careful attention to yourself, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit, he's the one that made you overseers through me, through the nomination process, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Who's the he here? This is what's unique. The Holy Spirit, three in one, but you're referencing Jesus. So the Holy Spirit made them overseers of which Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. There are people that were inside the church whom Jesus valued enough to die for. There are people outside the church who Jesus was, was longing to bring in, but they were not responsible for the soul care of those outside the church. They were responsible for the flock the Holy Spirit had made them overseers of. The invitation went out to everybody, but these people had chosen to be a part of that church, and that's who they were responsible for. But I, the thing I want you to see about this is membership is incredibly spiritual. It's incredibly spiritual. Remember, if you can't divorce the king from his kingdom, then being a member, a body part of the church is so important. That's why it's so important not to be a hand roaming around, trying to help out people, trying to serve people, disconnected from a local body where that person who serves them can then introduce them to a body of believers who can meet their spiritual needs. Because no one person... Listen, if you've ever dealt with needy people, if you've ever done homeless ministry, if you've dealt with people in need, you will be broke and broken 
if you try and do it all by yourself without the support of a local church. You can't bear all those problems. You can't bear the struggle unless it's just a surface curse. I want to feel good about myself by serving them. Then you're fine. Then you don't really put your heart into it. Then you're just, it's, I'm just going to put money over there. I'm just going to put a dollar here. I'm going to do whatever. And then I feel like I served. Or if you're going to reach into their, those people's lives and you give them the hope that they need and then you've got to connect them to a spiritual connection to a body of believers. Okay, so watch this. I want you to notice that um, the Holy Spirit is in complete control of this. And what the, really, the thing I want you to kind of wrap your head around is how does Wells Branch Church do this? Well, Wells Branch Church does it like this. Um, we were planted about 11 years ago. I think this week, 11 years ago. And um, what happened was um, when Jesus uh, saved his people, he started the church and churches proliferated all over time up until about 11 years ago, Hill Country Bible Church, which is, I guess, that direction. Hill Country Bible Church uh, in Pflugerville planted us, and they nominated elders to come to this church. And then over the past 11 years, elders have rotated in and elders have rotated out so that we keep leadership fresh. That's why we love term limits. That's not a political statement. It just is. Uh, And the reality is that what happened is that people were nominated by the, the elders, affirmed by you, and they said, I'm ready to care for the flock who Jesus died on the cross for and rose to the dead so they have eternal life and have spiritual care here. And then the mission has a church to go and reach people, to love God, love people, make disciples. Okay, so that's how Wells Branch Community Church does it. And then the reality is we need great leaders. I, I think this is the part that you, you may not wrap your head around fully is that we need great leaders. And we need people to step up, but we need people who have served in the church because I think what happens is you're like, I'm a great leader. I just don't want to deal with church. <laughs> I don't want to do church people. And what you're saying is, I love all the benefits of the church. I don't want to be spiritually connected to that church. I don't want to be spiritually committed to that church. And I don't want that church to be spiritually committed to me. And what's really tough about that, it gets really hard to obey the Bible. Let, let, right? Because there's clearly church elders in the Bible. Like, I don't think anyone's going to go like, oh, there were no elders. Were those just old people? But if there was just old people, then how come there are all these qualifications? And how come Timothy is, is charged not to let people look down on because he's young and an elder? So it can't be that they were just old people. So who was the flock that they were to shepherd? So it's not only spiritual, it's practical. Because how in the world are you going to know who you're supposed to shepherd if people are like, I don't know. I, don't, I, like, I love you as long as you don't tell me anything about I should change in my life. That's how we can keep everyone stiff arm. That's how we can keep uh, church surface level. And isn't that the thing, the very thing that people can't stand about Christians, how inauthentic they are? So why would you want that? Okay. Or, or maybe it's um, that we just do church discipline on everybody, right? Like, okay, if anybody, hey, I think that couple might be sleeping together. They, they haven't actually accepted Christ yet, but let's go make sure that they know. Like, that would be the biggest turnoff of all time, wouldn't it? But who do you do church discipline with? Who, do you, who are you responsible for? You don't even know. And if you love people, don't you want to be able to help them? If I didn't know who my children were, I'm like, I'd be like, going, man, is that my kid? And then they're like, punch another kid. I'm like, well, i gotta got to correct that kid. And then, well, there's that kid. And then there's that kid. That's a lot of kids to take care of. And I have four. <clears throat> and we're outmanned. So 
I want you to kind of wrap your head around this, that it's unbelievably spiritual because the Holy Spirit has put people in charge for a specific reason to care for the people that Jesus died for. But it's also practical. How about on the flip side? Flip it up. The Bible says that we're supposed to obey our leaders, right? Well, then who are you supposed to obey? Anybody that sort of like self-proclaims, I'm an apostle, I'm the bishop, I'm an elder, you need, okay, somebody from a church in Westboro, uh, was it Westboro Baptist Church where they were going and uh, picketing funerals and saying, you know, protesting military funerals because of the support of gay marriage of, of the military, right? Is, was that your role? We're going to go support or rather we're going to go picket and we're going to go protest military funerals? Is that what you want to go be about? It was an elder who said it, so therefore, don't you have to obey it? This is the, it's spiritual, right? Because clearly Jesus has died for some people, he rose from the dead, and the Holy Spirit entrusted these elders. But on the, it's just pure practical. Like who else are, if we're to submit to one another, who are we supposed to submit to? And I think that's the part that we struggle with unless there is biblical membership with a formal membership process. It's impossible to live out what Scripture commands without it. Okay, you guys are like, I got it, I got it. I want to go to Hebrews 13 for a second. Now watch this. Hebrews 13 says, Obey your leaders, okay, we just talked about it, and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now look at this phrase. What does that mean? That means at some point, if you are a leader at our church or at any church, you're going to stand before God about the care you provided for the flock that was the Holy Spirit entrusted you with. If that doesn't feel weighty, I don't know what does. Standing before a holy God saying, how did you shepherd the people that I died for, that I valued enough? Did you get annoyed with them when they uh, criticized your sermon? Or did you get annoyed with them when they didn't want to do a certain thing and you just said, well, leave? Or did you pastor them and love them or did you, when people were running astray and into darkness and sin, did you run after them? Or when they didn't show up, be like, well, I guess they're not here. Does, doesn't that seem weird? Like there has to be this pastoral, like, uh, remember, doesn't Jesus leave the 99 for the one? Isn't that what pastors are supposed to do? Because we are looking up at God saying, like, I want to, as I'm responsible for this flock, I know that you desperately care about them. I know you love them so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for them. And so my response was go after the lost ones. Okay. And then thankfully the second half of 17 is like, listen, do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. So in fact, it's actually beneficial for you to obey the leaders who are over you because they are going before God, praying over your soul, wondering what I should be doing, seeking the best and the healthiest moment for you. Not because we're wanting an increase in the paycheck, but because we want an increase in the glory that God gets by a transformed life. That's why, watch this, membership is covenantal. This is probably something that you don't wrap your head around. And I was going to, I was going to try to explain it like this. Um, okay, watch this, watch this. Um, here's my other show and tell. This is from the, my trusty backpack. Um, okay, you guys know what this is. This is like, that's a flag. Yes, it is a flag. Now, this flag <coughs> flew over the Capitol uh, in my honor uh, upon my graduation from West Point. 
And Dick Army, who was the congressman at the time, uh, sent me a letter with this flag, said, hey, we, we flew this in honor of you over the Capitol building. I was like, wow. And you know what's odd? Um, if you were to ask where my uh, bronze star is, I don't know where that is. If you were to ask where my combat action badge is for you know fighting bad guys in combat, bullets shooting me, bullets shooting them, I don't know where that is. If you were to ask me where all my uh, airborne uh, wings and all the jump master wings and all that stuff is, I don't know. I think Adrian put it in a box somewhere in our attic. But I do know where this flag is. And the reason why this is valuable to me um, because this flag means something. This is, this is the difference between covenantal and transactional. You see, um, in the military, uh, there's two types of soldiers. There are brave soldiers um, that are both these types. There are courageous, have died in, in combat. But the American soldier um, fights for something greater. And there's another kind of soldier who fights for something else. And I just wanted to, you're going to be like, what do you mean another kind of soldier? It's another kind of soldier who fights for this. It's, they're mercenaries. I don't, if you get, we use mercenaries as, as the United States all the time. There are people, it's a lot less expensive to use mercenaries. Um, and it's way easier to deal with. But there's a problem with mercenaries. Mercenaries are loyal as long as they get the paycheck. As long as this arrives on time and they set up little contracts that uh, when I do this specific job and I get specifically paid, uh, then we're good to go. That's a transactional relationship. Whereas this is covenantal. Here's what I mean by that. Did you know that uh, in combat, when a, when a soldier is lost, this army will put other soldiers in harm's way to go retrieve you even if it's just to retrieve the dead body that's left behind. In fact, until we retrieve you, we have your name on all of our POW MIA lists, and we're waiting and we're searching, and whenever we get evidence that there is a body somewhere, we're sending in a special forces operational team, an A-team. Uh, they're going to go behind enemy lines. They're going to go search and search and search, and they're going to go make deals. They're going to go and find you to figure out where you are and bring back your body home, and here's why. Here's why. Because when you become a member of the United States military, there's a covenant that's made. You make one that says you're going to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Okay, that's your part. But what the American army commits to do is like, no matter what, no matter where you are, we're coming for you. Even if it's just to go get your dead body. So we're in the middle of the firefight. There's never a point where there's no hope. There's always a chance, even when you're overwhelmed, overrun, that people will come into harm's way to come and find you and to save you. And that's what makes our country really special. But that's what makes the church even more special. Because when you covenant with the church, the church says, I'm going to come find you. Even when you're spiritually dead. Because you've covenanted, when, you've, when you're broken, when, you're, when life gets hard and you're at this place of, I can't make it. We're going to risk the relationship with you to come in the middle of your world, in the middle of your darkness, and say, I love you enough to come find you. And everybody needs that. Just ask any married person. There's times when you go into your dark hole and you're your spouse to pull you out. To not be like, whoa, I don't know if I can deal with that. I'm out of here. That's the difference between dating and marriage. And people say all the time, why do I need to get, have like a piece of paper that says we're married? It matters. It says something. 
to a spouse to say, like, I'm willing to put this commitment in writing. I don't care who knows. I'm going to be yours forever. In the same way with the church, you say, I, I don't care who knows. I'm committed to that church, and I'm saying I want that church to be committed to me even when I don't feel like it on that day because there's going to be times when I'm lost in my own sin. And listen to me, listen to me. Everybody has that day. I have those days. And thankfully, I've got an elder board. I've got um, Christian leaders around me who will come and find me. Here's what's really cool about this. And there's something really powerfully spiritual about it. Um, this week, I had uh, one of our members say, hey, listen, um, I just heard about somebody else that came and delivered me pizza and they've lost their job and they're kind of making it paycheck to paycheck and everything's falling apart. Um, what should we do? And I was like, let's go find them. And I, when I reached out to that person, they were like, I haven't told anybody. I don't want to tell anybody. And I said, this is what the church does. We, kind, we find people and we say, you can't do this alone. Rely on us in your financial worry, in your fi financial strain. They said, I'm ashamed. And I said, the Bible says Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You're going to have hard times. It's going to break down. Life is going to get hard, especially when we're in a global pandemic, for crying out loud. Especially when there's more division across our country politically than we've ever experienced. Of course. You're going to feel that. And so would you let the church be the church to come and rescue your dead body and bring you back to life and reconnect you and say that I want this hand back in its spot. I want these ears back on its head. I want this eye right in its socket. And so this morning, um, I want to ask you this question. Will you join the body? And maybe a better word for that is will you covenant with the body? And right now we're going to have a, uh, we're planning a Count Me In class in October. Uh, stay tuned for the date on that. And just email james at wellsbranchchurch.com. You can just look in the comments below, james at wellsbranchchurch. Just click and go. Uh, but James is going to be uh, hosting that uh, Count Me In. It'll be uh, over Zoom. And so it's super easy for you to be involved from wherever you are at. So I'm so excited about that and the possibility of you moving to a place of covenant relationship where you see the unbelievable benefit that even in the midst of sorrow, sadness, financial strain, physical heartache, we're coming after you. No one is going to be doing this life alone. And listen, one of the reasons why we know this is true is that um, the covenant that Jesus made with us. In fact, I, I love talking about this all the time. Because Jesus broke his body so that his body could be people. Uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then that same night, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And whatever you take of it, you remember and you proclaim that Jesus died for your sins and he rose from the dead to have eternal life. Now listen, if you're not a Christian, please don't take communion. But if you are, and maybe you're struggling, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to make it through this life, and there's some sin or some darkness, um, would you do me a favor? Would you let us know? Would you email us at prayer at wellsbranchchurch.com and then um, we're going to take a moment here to pray and, and confess those sins uh, privately 
and, or publicly with whoever you're around. And if you want to let us know, let us in on that, because we're the church and this is what we do. We handle spiritual hard problems that are sexual in nature, that are marital in nature, that are financial in nature, that are physical in nature. We do all things because we believe the body is powerful because we have the Holy Spirit empowering us. We, we are valued by God because Jesus died for us. And we want everyone to know how valuable you are and how important it is you're part of the mission that God has to reach people, to help them understand that God loves them so they should love God. To help them understand that they're loved and to help them understand it's our role to make disciples. Our heart just beats for that. So um, I'm going to do something. I'm going to pray for us. And um, if you're a person who hasn't received Christ, in the middle of this prayer, there's an opportunity for you to do that. Let's do it. Father, thank you. God, you are in complete control. God, I know there are people out there that have, have felt this hesitation to be a member of the body of Christ and maybe even thought it was just silly or an extra thing and no benefit to them. But Lord, would you help them see the covenantal nature of our God and the covenantal nature of our church, that if there's anybody in brokenness out there, that we're going to leave the 99 to go find that one. That's what we're about and we go do it. So God, I pray that if there's anybody there that's struggling because they feel lost, they feel afraid, they feel anxious, and they're like, don't know where they stand with God, God, would you help them open their heart and they would simply say, God, I believe you sent Jesus and he died on the cross for my sins and he rose to the dead and you valued me enough to let me hear this message and you're calling me to yourself. Lord, I pray that someone would receive that and they would simply say, save me, Jesus. And Lord, for the rest of us who have been struggling with life, just enduring at times and, and arguing and panicking and feeling anxious and running to and fro, God, you would bring them back to your body. And we'd run after some people who are hurting. And there'd be this unbelievable blessing. Powerful. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. And Lord, as we take this time of confession for the next 30 seconds or so, would you just allow our hearts to confess so that we can take communion and join you in the Lord's Supper. It's in Jesus' name we pray.